0: Michael McMullen, welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where this week we complete a double because it's the first time we've ever had a father and son on. Peter Lines was on just a couple of months back, and now his son Ollie, who's also a tour player, is with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How much of an influence was your dad early on? Is it a case that you would never have got into the game but for him?
1: It uh, probably is, yeah. Um, I used to just because my mum and dad split when I was young, mm. I enjoyed spending. The school holidays and a lot of time when I could with my dad because I didn't live with him at the time. And then I just would spend all week or two weeks whatever I had off school at the snooker club with him and then just fell in love with the game. And how early was it when you realised that you had a bit of potential as well? Um, I didn't really start playing properly till I was about 13. Um, I think fairly... Early on, my dad seen something in me. Um, Cause I've never really had a coach up until like the last couple of years. Hmm. It would always just been my dad, and he just took me on, coached me, and then I just listened to him, and here I am. So did he spot before you did that you could actually make it? Yeah, he's always said ever since I was young that I could make it, and if I just do the right things, then I'd give myself a decent chance.
0: It's great to have that, isn't it? To have those positive voices in your ear at a young age.
1: Oh, yeah, my dad is so good to me. Um, He never ever says anything negative to me about my game or anything he only ever tries to help. And if I'm slacking off or not doing what I should be, he's the first one to tell me. And we've just got such a good relationship. And, yeah, I'm very grateful to have him, 100%.
0: And aside from that... Ollie, it's a great environment to be in because you practice at the Northern as well, don't you? So many good players there, probably more than any other snooker club around. Yeah, it's
1: good. There's obviously four current professionals there, mm. but then there's some like good up and coming youngsters like Liam Pullen, who's just lost in the final in Australia.
0: Um, in a few years, I think he'll be he'll be really good as well. It must be a great environment to go into every day and everyone knows the facilities there are good. There's a great atmosphere between you all and you know you're going to get good practice partners and some good matches there.
1: I think that's what it is. It's just a good... We've just got a good group of people in the club. Like When we're not playing, we can all have a laugh with each other and it just makes the day go a lot faster. And it's just, as you say, it's just a nice place to be.
0: Do you like practicing? Are you someone who is dedicated in the sense of getting up in the morning and thinking, I'm really looking forward to this today?
1: Yeah, I do. I love practicing. I practice six, seven hours a day, every day. Um, my results haven't been as good as what I want them to be, but it hasn't stopped me practicing, not
0: not at all. Well, let's talk about big success you had early on, 2014, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> Isn't it incredible to think? You won the European Under-21 Championship in Romania. So with big amateur events like that, the standard maybe varies from year to year and there are good eras and bad eras. So how well did you have to play and how strong was the competition?
1: Well, when I look back, I didn't realise that the last four or five people that I beat in the knockout all turned pro. Um, so my draw at the time, I didn't really realise, but it was quite a tough draw. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, like, I beat Dwayne Jones and Josh Balou who... I've been
0: on the tour Reese Clark who also was on the tour for a couple of years so yeah
1: it was pretty tough I
0: think and was it something that took you by surprise or had you gone there feeling this is a tournament I'm good enough to win
1: I don't even think I ever really thought about it I think I just that was what was good about me when I was younger I used to just turn up and play Mm. and then as you get older you just start thinking more even though you don't really want to you just can't help it and it's probably why I'm not doing as good as I should be
0: And when did that start for you? When did you start overthinking it? It
1: was probably, I wouldn't say it was when I first turned pro, probably three or four years in when you have like a couple of bad results in a row. It's just, I think you just get used to losing and it's quite a tough thing to get out of. Like they say, like winning is a habit, but losing is as well. And I think once you start losing three or four matches in a row, it's it's very
0: difficult to stop the rot it's a hard transition to make isn't it because the amateur game and the pro game they're just played differently aren't they you turn professional you're up against guys who know all the ring craft they're so experienced and you have to learn all that side of it and you have to learn it on the job
1: yeah 100 percent. i think i don't think you can turn up these days and not play somewhere near your best because if you die you just get beat it's just as
0: simple as that so was it a bit of a surprise for you Ollie, the early years on tour just how tough it was or had your dad told you it was going to be that way?
1: No, I think I've seen... I used to go around with my dad and stuff, and I've seen that it was tough. But the first few years, I didn't even think about it. I was just so happy to be a professional. Mm. It was what I wanted to do. And then I think after the first few years, like the happiness wears off a bit, and then you just... I wouldn't say you go through with like a spell, but... When you're losing all the time, it's tough to keep positive and be happy and just keep turning up to tournaments and practice and
0: stuff. It does take its toll. Do you think that happens to a lot of players that they're so focused on I want to be a professional snooker player that they almost forget that really then the work is just starting and you've then got to learn how to make it a successful career?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I don't think people realise that when you turn pro that's actually when it does start Mm. but I think it's a good way to be as well because you can go through the first year or whatever and just try and really enjoy yourself which is a better way to look at it I think so anyway
0: We'll talk about the Turkish Masters from last year. We'll come to the quarter final in a moment because you did get to the last eight. But what about the rounds leading up to that? Did you feel you were playing really well or was it a case of grinding out the results or maybe a combination of the things? Um, no, I think... Well, in
1: practice, I always seemed to play to a good level. So I knew that my form was there, but there was obviously something in my mind that's stopping me from playing well. So... I just went in and I just tried to just tell myself, talk to myself in a better m- manner, like try and big myself up instead of thinking about shots I've missed or, and uh, in the last 64, I think I played Xiao Gadong, and uh and I was four two up and he needed three snookers on the green, and <laughs> next thing you know, it's four each and mm. I'm, I'm 59 behind or something, and I managed to clear up um, with one visit to well nick the match back off him even though i'd I'd absolutely thrown it away and i think that clearance just made me believe in myself a bit more for the next couple of matches
0: and why was it you you took that new mindset you're saying you decided to big yourself up a bit more why was it for that tournament you decided to take that approach
1: i think i just had enough of just constantly talking to myself like in the in a way that you would never speak to anyone else like why should you speak to yourself in that sort of way you would never speak to mm. someone else like
0: that you need to be your own best
1: friend yeah, yeah. but it's quite a tough thing to do as well yeah. i remember sitting on i had gone to practice with judd probably the week before the turkish i do i think it was just before the welsh actually which was quite close to the turkish i think yeah it's
0: around the same time of year yeah
1: and uh I remember just sitting on the sofa and we had a chat about Snooker for maybe an hour, an hour and a half, about like where I was going wrong and how he could help and stuff like that and there were just some certain stuff that he said to me that I just thought, Yeah, why why am I not doing that?
0: Was he quite tough with you in a good way? Were yeah, you? he
1: always is. We're just such good friends and uh if I asked him for advice he would one hundred percent just try and give me the best advice he could. If you Hurt my feelings or whatever. If he thought it was something that I needed to hear, he'd, he'd tell me.
0: He's a very straight-talking guy, isn't he, Judge?
1: Yeah, he is. He's really good as well. Yeah. He's
0: really good like that. When you got to the quarter final then you're playing Sean Murphy, and you were so close to winning. So tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a. I think that's the worst loss of my career so far. I've had some tough losses, but. I think the balls that I missed at the end of that game, like I was just not missing them all week and it was to play Judd in the semis as well, Mm -hmm. which would have just been so great for me at the time because I was struggling at the time to stay on the tour, I think. I was just inside or just
0: outside the 64. But, yeah, it was a tough one to take that. So why did it happen, do you think? Was it just the enormity of it all, the chance to be in a semi-final, that it was difficult to deal with it? I don't even know.
1: I didn't even feel nervous. It was strange, like really strange. I didn't feel nervous at all. But, yeah, I just missed two balls to win, one with the rest and one the red was near the pocket. And then as soon as he got the ball off the cushion, I knew I'd lost because it's just so good. Players like that don't not clear up from there.
0: Well, that's what it's like, isn't it? Playing someone like him, whether they're hard balls or easy balls, whatever they are, it can just be one or two things go wrong and it can turn the whole match on its head.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's just. It is a game of fractions. Like, you obviously need a bit of luck at certain times, and I was having it as well. And um, I put myself in a really good position, but I didn't take it. But I think if I got myself in that position again next time, there was not a shot that I played that I will not play again, so it's a lot easier to live with yourself because I haven't done anything that I will not do again.
0: And as much as that match and the way it finished was obviously a disappointment, did you come away from Turkey still feeling positive, the fact that you got that far? Overall, did you see this as a good experience?
1: Yeah, I did. The way I played against some really good players was it just proved to me a bit more that, like... I, I can do this, like, I should be doing this a lot more than I am doing this. But it definitely, it definitely was good, and it, it did give me a lot more self-belief.
0: Before we move on, it's the quick fire round. Your favourite movie? Man on Fire. Ideal way to spend a day off? I'll just watching football. Best holiday location you've ever been to? Uh, Las Vegas. One thing you'd change about life on the Pro Tour?
1: just more tournaments I just put more tournaments on yeah you?
0: it's difficult at the moment with China yeah, and everything and obviously we've lost Turkey as well and your favourite song
1: oof I don't even know if I have a favourite song
0: even favourite type of music what bands do you like or?
1: I like dance music like mine, and Garrick's people like that
0: ok I've heard of him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Let's move on then. Let's talk about this season. Obviously, having had that great run in Turkey towards the end of last season, you would have been coming in thinking, "Okay, I want more of that. So how's it been, this campaign?
1: Um, My results look like I've been struggling all season. But to be honest, when I look at the draws I've had, I've probably not played my best um, in a lot of matches. But I've probably been second favourite in most of the first round matches this season. Even in the UK, when I was meant to draw someone ranked a lot lower than me, I managed to pick out Marco Fu from nowhere, so and he beat me. Um, Cause he's just been coming back onto the tour, so yeah, he should be ranked 109 or whatever he was at the time. Um, but it's just one of them things like you draw, you draw, and you've got to, you've got a win. And I haven't been winning, but I haven't stopped practicing, and I haven't been doing anything that is making me lose. Um, If anything, I've been practicing a lot harder. My dad's been uh, really helping me practice. Um, He's basically just given up his practice to field out for me like six hours a day and I do really appreciate
0: what he's doing for me. I don't think there's many people that would do that. One thing we talked about when your dad was on here was when the two of you played each other in the Pro Series a couple of years ago. Now, I don't think he enjoyed it. I'm guessing you didn't either. No, I didn't. Not at all. I don't want
1: to play him ever again. It was just awful from start to finish. Just really not nice. Usually when you're playing and you've got your opponent in your chair, you want to keep him there. I didn't. I want to see him potting balls. He wants to see me potting balls. It was just awful. I actually was top of the group probably worse for him because if he'd have beat me and stopped me from coming top of the group <laughs> that that probably wouldn't have been the best car journey home but I was playing quite well and I managed to win that group so
0: that helped on the way home someone else who's been very important you alluded to there is George so how did the two of you become friends was it on the pro circuit or were you already mates from earlier than that
1: no it was on the pro circuit um I think after my first or second season on tour when I, I managed to get in the top 64 and then I got approached by Django Fung mm. who wanted to manage me who owned the Grove Academy in Romford where Judd played so I went down there quite a lot and then um, I was just staying in like hotels and stuff at the time Judd says well why don't you just stay at mine just make it easier for you cheaper for you and then ever since that day when I first did it we've just become really good friends
0: greatest moment of his career was 2019 winning the world championship and you were there very much as part of the celebration so what was that like for you as a professional player yourself to be there as part of someone else's big moment
1: I'm not sure, some people probably think it's a bit weird having players there with you but Judd's one of these like, really quiet people he hasn't got many friends by choice on the snooker tour So uh, I'm not sure, I'm just really close with him, I'm really close with his family now, Um, obviously really close with his brother, Jack.
0: So you see it maybe more as, I'm not here as a fellow pro, I'm here as a mate.
1: Yeah, in the final I wasn't there as a a fellow snooker player. Mm. Not even, probably not even for the whole tournament. Um, I think he just likes having me around. Um, I like being around him, he's a good mate, we have a good laugh, so why not?
0: Something else that you've been good at in the past, or certainly this is the story anyway, is football, that you played to a reasonably high level when you were a kid. How good did you become? Um, I'm not sure
1: how good I could have become. I was really small when I was a kid and I had trials and stuff everywhere, but they didn't seem to like how small I was at the time. I've obviously grown quite a lot now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can't believe you were <laughs> was, ever small. <laughs> yeah, I was I was tiny till I was about 15, so... I think it was easier to make the decision to go to snooker because I wasn't sure if I was ever going to grow at that stage.
0: Mm. Was that where you were at at the time, that you knew you were good at both games and you knew eventually you'd have to make a choice?
1: Yeah, I couldn't keep missing footy on weekends for tournaments if I wanted to play football more. I couldn't keep um, missing footy practice if I wanted to play a snooker tournament and stuff like that, vice versa. So I had to, at the
0: time, pick one or the other. And you mentioned when I was asking you about your ideal day off that you'd be watching football. So I'm guessing it's Leeds United for yeah, you?
1: Yeah, it is. We're not having the best of seasons, but I don't actually think we're playing too bad. Um, we just can't seem to put the ball in the net at the moment, but you never know, it might turn around.
0: Do you go to Elland Road at all?
1: Yeah, I do um, when I can. Um, I used to go a lot with Dave Griss. Oh, he a right. fellow pro, and we yeah. used to go together together. Um, Sanderson obviously supports Leeds as well, so...
0: Sanderson Lamb, yeah. Yeah.
1: we try and watch whenever we can,
0: really. And what else do you do outside of snooker, Ollie? Do you have much time to
1: do much else? I just play football, really.
0: Yeah. your dad still plays as well, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he's still quite good as well. Um, We still play, like, four times a week. I just think it's good for fitness, it's good for, like, your mental state, like the fresh air and stuff, I just prefer to play football, something competitive rather than going for like
0: a jog or something. Overall then, you're 28 later this year, is that right? So how would you sum it up and what you've done so far and how that compares to where you might have expected to be in your career by now?
1: Well, I think I lost a couple of years through COVID. um, So I still think I'm slightly younger than I actually am. Mm. (laughs) But um, I feel like I should be doing better than I am, I feel like. If I believed in myself a bit more, that I was a better player than I am, it might help me get to the top.
0: Because you said in Turkey you tried to big yourself up more, so have you tried to keep doing that? and Does it become harder to do?
1: It definitely becomes harder to do, especially when you're losing, which I have done a lot this season. But I'm practising hard, so there's just no reason why I can't turn it around
0: and when you say turn it around what does that mean where do you see yourself being a couple of years from now if it all goes to plan
1: keep seeing myself struggling to stay on the tour every year every other year or whatever um I seem to manage to get in a 64 and then just hang around around 50 55 and it's just not where I want to be I want to be closer to the 16 32 and who knows when you get in there you you never know do you
0: that's the thing isn't it to take yourself out of that conversation because so many players on tour that's what they're thinking about just staying on but certain players get to a level where that's not really a consideration so that's got to be the next step hasn't it
1: yeah i want to get in the 32 because once you get in the 32 you get seeded for all the tournaments i think most of them are 32 seeded um Whereas I've been in the 65 this year and I think I've drawn two players all season that are ranked lower than me, so it, it doesn't really make a difference being in the 65 unless you get in the 32.
0: And can you be a tournament winner? I mean, most players on tour, I think, have got the ability and I'm sure most people would agree it's definitely in you. Well,
1: that's a nice thing for you to say.
0: Um, but you've shown at times, I mean, you've had good results, you've had good performances, so on your week, surely it could happen for you.
1: Yeah, I do think... If I keep doing the right things, working with my coach, Steve, um, my dad helping me out, which he has been, then there's no reason why I can't get, keep getting better. And then you never know, do you?
0: And you talk about the inspiration you've had from your dad. Well, in a way, even if he wasn't your dad, he would be quite an inspiration because he's still on the tour at his age. So that shows you, you've still got another 20 years or so to achieve your goals. I
1: love watching what he does day to day. He... Uh, He's a massive inspiration to me and my sister and my brother. Um, We all love what he does for us. And just seeing him, how much he still loves the game at 53, I think he is now. Um, The effort he still puts in to travel everywhere. And even then we travel everywhere. And then his first priority is to help me. And yeah, he's a massive inspiration in my life.
0: Well, you know you're getting old when even your children are losing track of what age you <laughs> yeah. are. But I'm sure he'll <laughs> enjoy hearing those words and we've enjoyed talking to you today, Ollie, and we wish you all the best for the future. Thanks for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Next time, it's Victor Sarkis, including memories of how a well-timed word from a friend helped him over the line in the match which got him onto the tour.
1: Brazil is with you now. We have more than 200 million people with you now. Think about that. And think your father. And I say, okay, it's now. And I won.
0: So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, the 147, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at WST.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.